Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today we are talking with Jenna Worthen about some of the unique challenges plaguing working moms and how moms can advocate for themselves in the workplace. Welcome, Jenna. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So before we dive in, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you. Jenna is the founder and CEO of the James Martin Company, a political and nonprofit consulting company focused on intentional development strategies. She got her political start at age eight when she gave a speech in front of the city council and a crowd of more than 800 to halt the expansion of a road in their community. The initiative was defeated and their family-oriented community remained free of heavy traffic. She also co-founded the 111 Project, a nonprofit with a mission to have more than enough families to serve kids in foster care. And she curates the online community, Mom Who Works, for women to redefine what it means to be a working mom in a world without working dads. She lives in Tulsa with her husband and three kids. And I have to interject here that this is the perfect day for us to be recording this podcast because we are both working from home in an ice storm with kids, families, virtual school, all the things going on. So like, this is the perfect representation of what it means to be a working mom right now. Yes, as I hide in a closet. (laughs) (laughs) And, And we discussed we could have kids or dogs joining us at any moment. You just never know. So Jenna, I want to start by asking what being a mom who works means to you. What are your greatest joys? What have been your biggest challenges, particularly as we've navigated pandemic life? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting to me because when I first kind of had this like aha moment about the phrasing of mom who works versus working mom, I was pretty worn out you know, and I just was kind of, I was at this place where I did not want to quit working because my work brings me an incredible amount of joy and, you know, income that our family needs, you know, and, but I was just exhausted with this working mom label, right? Because to me, it also brings things uh, disproportionate than what my husband faces of guilt and shame and expectations And it also just the ordering of the words says working mom instead of being a mom who works. So it's also saying that the work is always more important. It's saying the work comes before me. It becomes before my family. And that's quite honestly true in some seasons, right? I do political work the next four months. You know, my family knows that mom is very busy, but for the majority of my time, it does not come first. It's important. It takes a ton of my time, but what I care about the most is the mom part of my life. So I've got three littles that are, you know, two in school now, but one's at home. And one of my greatest joys is I'm fortunate to have an in-home nanny who comes and I'll hear a little knock, knock, you know, on my office door to pop my head out and say hello to her a couple of times a day and staying connected to her and letting her see my example there. You know, we've all Obviously with the pandemic, we've reconfigured our work life, family mix balance. You know, I read someone said, or my friend Nancy, I think said the other day, she's like, I now sleep at the office, you know? And like, and what she meant was like just these blurred lines, 
now between where work stops and starts and home starts and stops. And, uh, you know, one of the best things I did for myself was finally a dedicated home office space, you know, that I could shut the door symbolically and move into mom time. Um, but that's, that's kind of how mom who works came about just this idea of, you know, I think that we are moms who work. We're also moms who quit. We're moms who dream. We're moms who fail. We're moms who believe like there's so many more layers to us. And I think that that label, um, and we also have the data to show too. It comes with bias, uh, lessons, career mobility, a lot of those hurdles that my husband, um, does not face. That's such an empowering way to look at it. I love that simple language shift and what that what that can mean for all of us. So in our world right now, Jenna, what do you think are the greatest challenges that moms who work are facing? Yeah, you know, Erin, they're calling it the great resignation. And we know that millions of moms in particular have left the workforce. You know, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, one, there's still a pay gap. So I think that when a family is assessing how are we going to handle the increased workload at home, we're going to assess whose job brings in the most income. And that person is going to be the one, you know, the person with the least amount is going to be the one that quits. And too often that's the woman, you know. Um, and then I think too, it's just the, that we can have the best partners in the world and the majority to, more often than not, I know there are great exceptions to this, but more often than not, women are bearing the brunt of the family workload, the household management. Even if we have a really good partner, I have a really good partner. I still have to think of all the things that need to be done. And again, I know there are, there are exceptions to this. Um, someone very close to me, her, they've made a shift. She's the one who works. Her husband stays home because um, of a, you know, a company got acquired and a layoff and that's working for their family right now. You know, you can reimagine that. And, um, but I think that moms, you know, we're again, blurring the lines. And I, I do, I fundamentally believe that there's less grace for working moms. Um, you know, we are expected to handle it all. And for it to look really good and clean and crisp and not to have too many blurred lines and not too many interruptions. Um, but I also have found that as you move up the ladder, a lot of times, you know, the, the male manager, director, VP who's leading your meeting has a stay at home partner that's managing his kids in the background, you know, and when you're trying to navigate that as a mom that's partnered or a single mom, you know, it can become incredibly difficult and challenging. And, um, and we know that the pay gap also increases for moms who work versus just single women or, or parent or kidless women, you know, childless. Um, um, and because of, you know, intensity and even just perception, you know, and, and, and that can become a really hard thing to navigate. I think the pandemic has obviously shined a huge light on to what a lot of us have been facing for a very long time and quiet and the pandemic magnified it. Um, and I just think that the amount of women who have stepped back for us to remake up all of those gains, you know, it's gonna be a long road ahead. 
it's discouraging in so many ways. And one thing you just said that really resonated with me is that mental load. Um, I am really fortunate. I have an exceptional partner as well. Um, I have parents who help all the time, but that's something that I, I don't share or I can't share. I can't figure out how to share is that mental load of knowing what are the kids allergic to? When, when is the party coming up at school? Just all of those things that are constantly running through your head in addition to all the work deadlines that you might have going on. And that is exhausting. Yes. Yes. It's incredibly exhausting. So you're talking about the great resignation. We Metro family just released an article in our March, April issue about the childcare challenges specific to Oklahoma. Senator Carrie Hicks reported in an interim study on childcare in September, 2021, that one in five women have left the workforce permanently citing family obligations as the main reason. This is exactly what we're talking about. And as you mentioned, one of the really frustrating parts about this for me is there don't seem to be any clear cut answers. We know what the problems are. The pandemic has exacerbated a lot of those problems. Um, whether we're talking about childcare, the gender pay gap, or any other number of reasons that moms are struggling to remain in the workforce. So what, what vision, what insight can you give us into what can or should happen in Oklahoma or nationally to help alleviate some of these challenges for working moms? Yeah, you know, I think that while we're in the middle of the great resignation, I think we have an opportunity for a great reimagination of how all of this can work, right? So we do not, I never wanna skip over the hardship that we've all been through, but I do like us to say, okay, we're gonna acknowledge that, we're gonna sit with it, we're gonna take a deep breath and we're gonna say, okay, but what can we do about it, right? So I think that one of the things that I really feel strongly about that employers can be doing to support their folks is some flexible spending accounts I think that that could be a really positive way to help with childcare costs, um, access to you know different services, you know like a shipped membership or laundry services or just it's these things that I really I mean it doesn't require a ton of sacrifice on the part of the employer for their employee to see a huge I see you I see what you're dealing with. And I think that those are some of the ways that we can be really creative with how we serve our employees well and how we keep our moms, right? It's not just about flexibility because we need to have flexibility, but honestly, too much flexibility can start to feel like we just work all the time, right? So I think another critical step that we can be doing would be blocking times where there cannot be meetings, where there cannot be you know, another task going out. Um, because I think that also we need focused blocks of time that are uninterrupted to make some headway on some of those big projects. Policy-wise, you know, Aaron, I, I mean, this is a conversation that's been happening nationally for a very long time, right? Like family leave, child care. And because we've always had this like nine to five defined work time, when we no longer had school, to take care of our kids during the pandemic so that we're at work from roughly nine to five. You know, I think that this is a huge part of the reimagining. Like who, we all know why it was nine to five. It started 
a, you know, what, almost a century ago, really like, and we can now say, is that, is that working for our families? Is that working? Um, what can we do to shift how we work? Obviously we've already gone remote, a lot of cost savings and not having office space. Do we need to return to the office? I don't know yet. That's a conversation to be had, but how can we be supporting these families in ways that say, Hey, yeah, here's some flexibility, but here's also, you know, here's a stipend that can help with childcare costs. You know, I mean, I think that there will end up being some federal policy that's going to have to come through that can kind of do some cost control, if you will, of childcare, because we also know how expensive it is. Um, but I don't know where those solutions will come down yet. Um, you know, the reality is we're in a uh, election year, you know, and, and that can also drive different narratives on either side of the aisle. But to me, this is just completely a nonpartisan issue. And it's one that we can all be saying, how do we better as a community, as a society, as a workforce, support families with kids? Because we can't stop having kids, right? And we have to stop treating them like they're a burden and a hindrance to everything else that we need to do and accomplish and start leading with a bit more compassion, you know, and a bit more trust. You know, I, I talk about a lot that becoming a working mom and a mom who works starts before the kid is here, you know, like as you're preparing, as you're considering motherhood, as you're starting down that process, however that might look for you, whether it's, you know, an easy, uh, an easy thing for you, or if you're adopting or, you know, whatever it looks like, we all become moms in different ways with different struggles to get there. You know, some of that starts back then. And I think that that's what employers also are going to have to start recognizing, like, hey, this is a process, like if I'm a 24 seven employee, when I become a mom, that's going to radically shift. And I don't want that to only happen when the baby's here. It's got to start a little bit sooner, you know, but I think that employers have got to start demonstrating to their employees, like, hey, I care about all facets of your life or else they're like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving for a better option. There's two, we're in that unique place, right? Where the employees actually have some opportunity to control the narrative and set some standards because there's such an employment shortage. So I think that's a lot of different ways to answer your question, Erin. I don't know that I have a concrete, here's the one thing that we can do, but I really believe strongly in some of these flexible spending accounts, kind of like an HSA, that could really help lessen that burden on families, on-site childcare when they're able, you know, some of that kind of stuff I think can be really powerful. It's refreshing to hear some solutions, Jenna. So thank you <laughs> for sharing those. Um, in addition to, you know, really paying attention as elections are happening this year to who we're voting for and perhaps their stance or their vision or ideas on some of these issues, what are some tips you can give to moms who are in the workforce right now about advocating for their specific needs and what kinds of things should moms even be considering advocating for right now? Yeah, so I think that it's important to remember that everything's a negotiation, right? And that there are some solid things that you need to do before you even have the conversation, right? So I think that first and foremost, it comes with like, what do you actually want? Like that's, it's not enough to just like, sign on to whatever petition is happening or just demand pay. Like maybe you do need increased pay. Maybe you do need increased flexibility, but you need to identify it because sometimes you can have one or the other a lot easier, right? So I think that it's a multi-step process, but I want to give you an example. I had 
um, a mentor of mine. She's an incredible leader. She's been a mayor, um, a statewide elected official. She's um, just mentored me for a long time. And she talked about how she wanted to start working from home on Fridays, right? She didn't need more pay, but she needed Fridays at home to do some catch up, to do some work. So she created a whole pitch for her boss. And don't forget, you can come to them with facts and statistics, but we know these are emotional decisions. And she said, if my numbers go down, I will come back on Fridays, but they will not go down. They will go up. I'm going to be working X extra hours throughout the week to make up for my Fridays, yada, yada, yada. She waited until it was the right time to make the ask, which was after she had already shown, demonstrated some incredible success, hit some big goals, had some big wins. She didn't go ask um, an oil and gas company when the price of oil dips down real low. She didn't march in there that day because by golly, she was ready for, you know, you got to pay attention to what's going on with your company, where you are in the process. And then she proved herself, you know, and she opened up their eyes to say, Hey, wow, you know, nothing changed, nothing changed. So I think that that's an incredible, important, uh, an incredibly important part of the step is identifying what you actually want and then timing it properly and figuring out who you need to ask. Right. Because I also think that some of your power can be lost if too many of you are asking for the same thing, like you're all asking for something a little different. You've all been chatting about it. You know, like you need to really drill down on what is best for you and what you need and you need to time it appropriately. You know, did you just have an amazing quarter? This might be the right time to ask, you know? Um, and I, I do think that right now time is money, especially for moms. And you may be in a financial position where you don't need a pay raise. You need a time raise, you know? And so just kind of really assess what, what it is that you need, what, uh, I have a good friend who she just said, listen, two days a week, I have to pick up my kid from school. I have to be able to leave. I have all the other days covered, but I need to be able to see his teacher, check in, assess his mood right after school, have that important car talk time where, you know, they can kind of unload a little bit to mom. That was an incredibly important thing to her. That might not be an incredibly important thing to me, you know? So you've got to really drill down on what, what makes sense for your family. That's such good advice. As we're thinking about those numbers, the one in five moms leaving the workforce, what are some clear indicators that a mom should consider leaving a current job? Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Because we are moms who work, but we're also moms who quit. And when you come into a negotiation to ask for what you need, you have to know what you're willing to walk away from and when you are willing to walk away because I do think that there is a lot of toxic work culture right now. And I think that when you sit with your body, Dr. Hillary, Hillary McBride is a, um, an amazing teacher about embodiment and listening to ourselves. And when I sit with her, my body, and I think about how I feel about my job or how I feel about how much time I'm getting with my kids versus working, and if you sit your body, I really do believe will tell you what you need to know. And when you sit and you've been berated by that boss one more time, or you have not been allowed to complete a project how you want, because somebody's trying to micromanage or shift objectives in the middle of it, 
you know, we can, we can all handle that in short bursts, right? We can do anything. Moms can do anything for a short amount of time, right? We have newborns and then they sleep hopefully. So, um, but I think that when you sit with your body and you really listen and you think about and try to feel what would it feel like to stay in this position? How do you feel? Do you tense up or do you feel calm? Or when you think about leaving, do you tense up or do you feel like relief? You know, and I think that whenever you come down and it's that, then that's the right decision. And I think that we have to be willing to trust our women's intuition. It's in there. It's in there. It's in there. And as moms, it can take us time to find that intuition, but we have to trust it because we know that that's what's guiding us and directing us as we parent, as we work, as we're a friend. And I just think that your body will tell you that might be too much of a woo-woo answer for you, Erin. Um, but it's hard to say, like, here's a concrete example of when you should walk away from your job. You know, it costs a lot of money to go to work too. You know, just like hard costs, eating out, dry cleaning, gas, travel time, you know, a long commute. I think that there also comes a point where you start to run those numbers and you start to figure out, you know, Hey, is this right for me? And then now the telework opportunities are so huge and vast that we, I think sometimes we forget like Aaron, how long have you been an editor, like doing this work? I think we can forget that there are so many other job opportunities out there And I think that moms who work can go on several journeys of becoming and remaining and flourishing as moms who work. And we can start that journey over and over and over again. And, and don't ever be afraid to just try something new, right? Like get into tech. It's try it. I mean, you know, who knows it could be, uh, just, just sit with your body, pay attention. And then just don't forget that there's a lot more options out there than sometimes we remember. I think that is such perfect advice, Jenna. Um, A lot of times as moms, we're so focused on what's going on with our kids, what's going on with our partner, um, that we forget to dream our own dreams and we forget to really listen to ourselves. And I think you are so right that we have it in us. If we'll just allow ourselves the time and the space to really think through what is best for us. And I think too, not only do we have to think about what's best for our families, but we have to think about what's best for us. And I also wholeheartedly agree that there are many more options out there than most of us are even aware of. Um, I was a mom who intended to work full-time after my first child was born. And after she was born, something shifted in me that I didn't expect. And so I have been on a journey since then of being my own boss. Um, I had a freelance business, um, worked some for Metro Family, and now um, I'm in this position here. And none of it is anything I would have ever imagined I would have been doing or that I even knew was a possibility. So um, I think we can often get so bogged down in just what's right in front of us that we forget that there are other things outside uh, of what we see day in and day out. Yeah. And Aaron, I think you bring up a really important point. Sometimes what's right in front of us, we can control. Okay. And what I mean by that is sometimes Instagram, you need to take a moment and take a break because the comparison we see the, the highly controlled and curated 
life stories we're witnessing, which I think can be beautiful and powerful and it's a good thing, but sometimes we have to go away for a while and we need to take a step back so that we have the space to be quiet and to think about that and remember that like all of our journeys are different and unique. And my story is not your story. And what's best for you is not what's best for me. And that's okay. We're not saying one is better than the other, but I think that whenever all we're seeing right in front of us is, you know, a highly curated and often impossible standard or not even a standard you want, right? Like you don't have to raise chickens. Like just because you follow 10 people who raise chickens and their kids eat hormone-free, perfect eggs every day, you don't have to have chickens, okay? Like that is not just because we get, a. I think we sometimes we see too much of one thing, our brain starts to rewire and say, I gotta have that, I gotta have that, I gotta have that, and you don't. But you have to be willing to go away for a while. Set that aside and sit and think about what is actually, what makes me come alive? What is calling to me? And I sometimes think that our phones in our hand are a real barrier to that discovery. It's a little aside, but it's something I'm, I'm learning right now about myself as well. Do you have a child who loves science, technology, engineering, math, or art? Geekapalooza is a STEAM festival presented by Boeing and hosted by Metro Family and the Girl Scouts of Western Oklahoma. This event is for all kids of all ages to have fun through hands-on expo booths and short interactive workshops about robotics, the science of flight, coding, geoscience, and so much more. Join us March 12th at the new state-of-the-art urban camp, Camp Trevera, just east of OKC Zoo. Ticketing and more information can be found at metrofamily.com slash Do not wait. Get your tickets today. Another topic you have provided a lot of great insight to Metro Family on uh, was through a series on moms re-entering the workforce. So for moms who have stayed home with kids for several years, what advice would you give them on explaining what they or an employer might consider a gap in their resume? How can we really reframe this mentality and, and help moms show off the unique skills and talents they bring to the table? Okay, so this is like, Erin, this is my very favorite question that you were going to ask me because I actually, it's like, I want to roll up my sleeves and I just want to like, all right, guys, listen, here's what we can do. Because I actually believe right now is the very best time that has ever presented in my motherhood journey for women to re-enter the workforce. Okay. Because of the great resignation that has created so many opportunities. Okay. And I I mean, I own my own company. I have several employees and I cannot tell you how exciting it would be to me to hire a mom who's re-entering the workforce because as a mom, I know what you're capable of. And you know, what you did before you took that time off is an indicator, right? Like, okay, great. I know they've got a skill set. I know they can complete a job, but especially as a woman hiring women, often, I mean, I hire dudes too, but you know, just go with me. Um, I have an inkling of what she's been dealing with at home. And you know what that looks like? Time management, organization, um, high emotional intelligence, right? Uh, a negotiator, 
right? Um, she's someone who can bring some people to the bargaining table and make some stuff happen. Oftentimes those women are compassionate and have empathy for their coworkers that others might not. And I also believe that as moms re-enter the workforce, I believe that they bring an energy and a passion to try something new. And to be quite frank with you, that is exciting and exhilarating to me to think about hiring. So, you know, instead of just leaving that gap, I have this idea, I don't, it's a theory, I haven't tested it. But if on your resume, you said CEO, the Worthen household, and you listed off some of those skill sets, right? I don't see that as a bad thing. You know, let's reimagine how we even build that resume. And instead of being ashamed of that time off, there was a beautiful and important and meaningful work that you were doing in your home, to be very clear. Let's talk about it. Like, yeah, I took a step back. Here, here's where I was professionally. And then I took on this new role. I signed up for a different career path for a little bit. You know, it's such BS, this notion that a stay-at-home mom is not a real job. Like, are you kidding me? So many of us go to work because we cannot be stay-at-home moms. That's not what the Lord has called me to do. That is not a role in which I thrive. The work that women are doing in that gap of time is incredibly meaningful for their development as a future professional again, as they return. And I think that, I do think we are understanding a little bit more these employers and these workplaces. Okay, yeah, families do exist. We've all now seen them coming out of this pandemic. And I know I just cannot imagine a workplace that's worthy of you finding fault with that gap in time. I understand a big place, it's kind of hard to get through just like the initial screening process with a gap like that. So that's what I'm saying is like, dude, throw it on there. Put it on your resume and list out that skill set. Again, I can't, I haven't tested this. I don't know. But when you sent me that question, Aaron, I really was like, okay, like what? What's something? And I'm that to me is just the great reimagination, you know, and own that time. Um, be proud of it because you were doing an incredibly important and difficult and exhilarating job. I think that's so helpful to hear, Jenna, and I, I have heard that from other HR professionals too, um, and it, it's just such a refreshing take. Own that time. Think about the skills that you gained or honed um, because there are so many that translate to the workplace, and there are so many, so many examples and ways that being a mom makes you a better professional, whatever career path you're in. Emotional regulation, check. Yeah, <laughs> Time management. Yeah. I mean, all, we have all, we have all of those skills. We just have to be a little bit creative and, and thinking about those and then being able to articulate those to a potential employer. Yeah. I mean, event planning. I'm telling you, there's nothing different than creating a beautiful birthday party for a kiddo and planning a corporate event. Like boom, easy example, project management, right? Did you oversee a massive remodel in your home? That is a ton of work. And that's a skill set dealing with contractors. Uh, oftentimes, you know, like maneuvering and renegotiating and adjusting timelines. I mean, like those skills are so transferable to the quote unquote professional workplace. 
you know, you've been doing this work already. Just be willing to tell your story. Love it. So let's talk about the mom who works online community. Tell us more about what inspired you to start it. What have been the biggest benefit for moms who work that are joining the community, that are engaged in the community? And how is it inspiring you? Hmm. Thank you for asking me that, Erin. You know, I, uh, I work with an executive coach and she knew I had this idea of mom who works and I didn't know what to do with it yet, you know, and it felt really tender and special. And uh, to be quite honest, you know, it felt kind of scary to put my little idea out there. And we were just talking about, and she said, have you seen the humans of New York Instagram account where they just tell stories? She's like, what if you just told stories? And I was like, yes. So we feature women. We started out just featuring moms who work and their stories on becoming and remaining and flourishing as a mom who works. And I cannot tell you the amount of times I got a, I get a response that just says, I don't feel so alone anymore. This has lessened my isolation. I don't feel so down on myself because as my friend, Rachel Freeman has taught me our shared stories, lessen isolation and build community. And I think that that's been some of the missing piece is mom who works does not ignore that our lives are completely interwoven. The mom side, the work side, that's all there all the time. We don't compartmentalize. Obviously we set things aside when we need to, but it's all in there all the time. And I think that as women have gotten more connected into this community, they have seen that that's okay. And that doesn't mean that you're weak. And that doesn't mean that you're not, you know, as amazing at your job as you should be. You know, I think it means that you're a human <laughs> and you're trying to do a good job. So we hope to return to like some in-person events and retreats. Obviously the pandemic uh, shifted our course there a little bit. And then I have actually been writing the Mom Who Works book. And that will go for pre-sales for Mother's Day. So um, to be honest, that's been like a gift to myself. I work in politics and that just never ends, right? Like even you, Erin, like one magazine's done, great, where's the next one? You know, like you never get to finish something. And I'm actually got really worried that I didn't know how to finish a project. And so I'm really looking forward to be like, here's this book that is done and it sits on the shelf and you know, I can complete something and it's taken a lot of discipline to do that. And it's honestly, I, my motto for mom who works the whole time has been, if just one woman feels seen, if just one woman has a connection to this, I, I mean that with my whole heart, then it's worth it. Uh, I had a mom who reached out to me and I had met her in a meeting randomly. And then two, and I thought it went poorly on my part. I was kind of, uh, it was a hard day and I shouldn't have, you know, I should have cleared my calendar, but I forged ahead and, and here she came two years later, just like, I don't know how to do this. And I just, I remember meeting you and, and you just kind of briefly mentioned this and, and we just had this connection point and you know what she really needed, Aaron? she just needed to know how to like do some meal planning and like just some basic stuff to just help her navigate having two kids now. You know, and so just like all those little moments that just add up and all of the women, it's just, it's such a beautiful and safe space for all women. And um, I mean, I, I say all women, the unfortunate reality is a lot of what mom who works is, is it's not always for every mom, right? Like the things we talk about pay and negotiation and flexibility, we know that that's not available to women in all positions. 
We know that women working in a shift job overnight, like they, they're not giving you flexibility. We know that. And that guts me, but I hope and believe that the more women we can continue to elevate that can recognize those conditions are not conducive for moms and their families to thrive, that hopefully we can start to change that. It is really powerful content. And I will say exactly what you said for me personally has helped me feel less alone and has helped me feel my story reflected in someone else's words. And that is powerful, especially as moms. Um, It helps me give more grace to myself. It helps me give more grace to others. So highly encourage folks to follow that. And I can't wait to read your book. That's very, very exciting. So this tension that we all often have, we care about, you know, how, how do we create work-life balance or how do we find fulfillment in all of our roles? Um, and this topic is so hard <laughs> for me. How do you handle the tension between your work and family life? Do you compartmentalize? How, I love that you were just saying that those things all exist in us all of the time. And I think that's where my struggle is that you often hear about this topic, like you do this at work and then you put that away and then you come home and that has been an impossibility for me. Jenna, how, how do you deal with this? What advice do you give other moms? This is so basic, Erin, but my to-do list is not broken out by work and home. My to-do list is all of the things. Do I need to buy mascara? And do I need to send, you know, a $25,000 contract to a potential client? They go on the same list because I have to stop pretending that I can be two separate people, Jenna who works and Jenna who mothers. And let's add that list. Jenna, who's a partner, Jenna, who's a friend. I am not all these separate people. I am one person. And all of this is in me at the same time. I think that balance is complete crap. Um, it doesn't exist. And, and it's, again, it's this unattainable standard. What I talk about a lot with mom who works is everyone says like, oh, she has it all, or you have to do it all. But like who's defining it all? You know, it's, in, it's Aaron, you have to define your all. And then that's what you have to do. And I think we have to let ourselves off the hook you know, this, also this notion of like, be present where you are. Like, yeah, I can do that in 15 minute bursts, but like to sit down and like play puzzles for a full hour and me to not have my mind wander on to something else that I also need to be doing. Do not feel guilt or shame over that. Okay. Like, again, it just comes back to, we're not separate people. I don't leave my work at the door. I don't leave my kids at the door. Right. And so I think that I just want women to have the permission. You don't need my permission, but here it is, is to understand and embrace that you are all of these things at all the same time. And there is no need to compartmentalize. Are there times that I get into a workflow state and I kind of forget that I have kids? Yes. So I set an alarm on my phone to not forget to go pick them up. Okay. (laughs) That does not make me a bad mom, right? On the flip side, there's times when I'm able to stick my phone in the other room and I'm immersed with my kids and maybe I miss an important call from a client. Does that make me a terrible um, 
work at work? No, it does not. Because we have to give ourselves a lot of credit and grace that we work incredibly hard. We work with excellence. We work with diligence. And we do not need to prove ourselves anymore. You have done that. It is over. And you are worth getting to define your all and pursue it and own it and name it and dream it. And I think that the sooner we can do some of that, then that's going to eliminate, you know, that guilt, the shame, the comparison, you know, but it's hard work and it's not always easy. And I doubt myself a lot of the time, you're not alone, you know, Um, but that's the ideal that I try to just bring it back to what's my all, what matters the most to me. And that can be different in every season. I think it's important to adjust, you know, Um, my friend Colleen gave me incredibly powerful advice that don't define the entirety of motherhood based on one season. You know, maybe you're a really good newborn mom, maybe you're a terrible newborn mom and you're going to rock middle school, you know, whereas I'm like middle schoolers are so awkward. I'm really dreading that. Um, you know, maybe this work season is really busy for you and you're mothering less than you would like. That does not make you a bad mom. (laughs) If you're worried about being a bad mom, you're a good mom because good moms worry about being bad moms. (laughs) And so I think that that's just, that's the permission I want women to know is that you don't have to do it all, but you do have to do your all and you need to define what your all is for you. Gosh, those are words that we all need so desperately to hear in this season, in this comparison culture that we're all living in. That was incredible. I can already tell I'm going to be watching this back and taking notes. (laughs) So as we wrap up today, Jenna, what's the number one thing you want all moms who work to take to heart this year? Hmm. You're not going to miss what's for you. It's okay to go slow. Um, As my coach has been teaching me, if it's in you, it's out there. So if there's something that you're wanting to do, take a little step and just trust that you're not going to miss it. And that's what I need to hear in this season where I have some big dreams and plans to pursue that are derailed constantly by things like a pandemic and ice and my furnace going out. And, you know, just like in the stomach bug last week, you know, you're just like, okay, can I get a couple good weeks in a row? Haven't had them in a while, right? Like who has had consistent childcare for two weeks in a row? I don't know anyone, right? And if you get too far in those feels, you know, you can start to believe that you're not going to get to do the things that you really feel you want to do. And you will, you will get to. And that's what I'm clinging to right now in this just season of what seems like constant disruption. I feel like this was a therapy session today (laughs) and I can already tell that our listeners are going to feel like that too. This is, um, this is exactly what moms need right now. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us today. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you all do. Um, I followed it for so long and to see how inclusive and welcoming and practical also along with inspiring that your publication can be, I think is such a gift to moms and parents, um, broader than just, you know, just our city. Thank you so much, Jenna. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Tell us where our listeners can learn more about and get connected to mom who works. Yeah. The best place is Instagram at mom who works. We also have a website, mom who 
and there is a Facebook page uh, and it's We Are Mom Who Works. And that's a really beautiful space where women just are like, hey, like, how do I do this? Or what kind of job? Here's what I want to do. How can I find this job? Or like, what's everybody cooking for dinner this week? So I don't have to think about it. You know, um, it's a good place to, to feel less alone. Definitely. It's a, it's a powerful place for connection. I highly recommend it. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.